Well, I found out Friday night that I was going to preach, but by the grace of God, the fellow that I served under up in Puyallup for 23 years, I guess I should say served with co-equal elders, always said, have one in your hip pocket, because you never know when you're going to need it. Well, by God's grace, I have one. And we'll see if it meets the needs today. So would you pray with me and pray for me as you bow your heads? Father, we are grateful again to be gathered together with the opportunity to hear the word of God. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name that by the power of your spirit, you would loose my tongue, that you would put words in my mouth that are straight from the throne room of heaven. And God, they would find a place in hearts already prepared to receive. And Father, that it would make a difference in our lives because the word of God was spoken out loud. So Father, have your way this morning. Grab each of us as we need to be grabbed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So how is your faith meters with all that's been going on in the last few days? Last Sunday, we met, and the world was as it seemed it has been for a long time. It was still in a mess last week. But we were all hopeful here on the coast in Tillamook County, <clears throat> excuse me, that this variant would just sort of miss us like COVID-19 did. Well, obviously, that's not the case. It did find Tillamook County, and it has been running amok, apparently. So, it put the elders in this sort of a trick bag. How in the world do we lead through this dilemma? Do we take the most conservative approach and say, we're not taking a chance on anyone in our congregation unnecessarily catching this bug and close down and not have a service on Sunday? Or do we leave it as an individual exercise of your freedom to gather together to worship as you choose? Obviously, you've read the email because you're here. And you obviously read the, me the email and found out who is preaching, and you're still here. <laughs> God is merciful, thankful, thankfully. And that picnic that we were going to have today is not a big deal. We can have that celebration anytime. So, be looking forward to the picnic. It will happen. Maybe next summer, but we will have it. So, so with all this turmoil swirling around us, 
And not just here in Tillamook County. Think of the world. What about Afghanistan? What if you were a resident of the Gulf Coast in Louisiana right now? Would you be hanging on for dear life if you haven't already evacuated? One of my dear friends, in fact, the people we stayed with in Puyallup this last couple of days, is somebody that was asking, how in the world do you pray for those that are the believers that are in Afghanistan? And the word got back that these people in Afghanistan asked that the Holy Spirit would hide them so that they're not discovered and summarily executed. So if you're thinking about the believers in Afghanistan right now, pray that God would hide them. Amen? So how should we be responding right now with everything that is going on around us? Okay? Obviously... Being a believer is not a guarantee that you won't get sick or maybe even die. So what are we supposed to do? What is supposed to give us this guarantee to live a life in this uncertain world? Is there any such thing as a guarantee in this life? Well, try not to be too shocked. But the Bible gives us a really compelling answer. So if you would turn to 2 Corinthians 5. I usually have typed out notes, but my computer has decided that it's not going to recognize my printer any longer. So my hand got really sore writing this stuff last night. 2 Corinthians 5. In chapter 4, Paul is recounting how he has been under tremendous physical threat because of his preaching the gospel. He has been persistent in preaching the gospel even in the face of incredible physical threat. So, just to give you an idea and set up chapter 5, turn to verse 8 in chapter 4, and I'm going to read this. This is out of the New Living Translation. This is Paul speaking. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. 
All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So that sets up the context for chapter 5. What makes a man continue to do the things that keep threatening his life? You know, when we have little kids around, and they keep insisting on unaccepted behavior, we make the consequences just severe enough that they choose not to do the bad behavior any longer, right? Well, it's a joke to think that Paul was going through some silly consequences for his behavior in preaching the gospel. If you've ever read in 2 Corinthians 11, the things that Paul went through, the things that threatened his life, like five different times being whipped with 39 lashes, beaten with a rod. Now you have to think about the people that are doing the whipping, the people that are doing the beating, do this because they have no qualms about doing it. I can't imagine hitting another man 39 times with a whip barbed with all kinds of things that would tear skin as he rakes it across your back. He went through that five times. The first would have been enough for me if I had lived. He said he was stoned once, and they thought he was dead. He was shipwrecked three times, a day and a night, adrift at sea. How this man wasn't dead before he was beheaded just baffles me. And yet he says in verse 13 of chapter 4, but we continue to preach. Paul goes on to chapter 5 to explain why he continues on, even though he lives in the face of death. Look at verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. I have no doubt that everyone in this room and everyone that's watching has had the experience of camping and sleeping in a tent. 
And I bet every one of us has been through the horror of the wind ripping that thing away or being in a tent that was leaking, maybe in several places, in this temporary shelter called the tent. Now, isn't it remarkable that Paul, a tent maker himself, equates our body with a temporary shelter? Ever thought of your, about, your, about your body as a temporary shelter? The way Paul describes it here as a tent? This tent will be taken down, he says. Just the idea that when this temporary shelter is taken down, when I die, then God is going to give me a body that he has prepared for me in heaven where we know everything is eternal in heaven. This body that I am going to be given by God is going to last forever, and it will never decay. Right there is enough hope to keep going on. In verse 2, Paul says, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. <laughs> you know, I think this is the only room that I walk into anymore where I am not the oldest person in that room. Every place else I walk into, I am the oldest person but not here. And I'm sure that we would all give testimony to the fact that these earthly tents are wearing out. Amen? Amen. So isn't it natural that Paul would suggest how nice it would be not to just have this new body promised, but actually get that new body. Now, I don't think Paul is suggesting that he wants to die necessarily in order to get that new body. He would sort of like every single one of us, if we had the choice, put that body on right now. Incorruptible. And he, Paul calls them spiritual bodies. So, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul spends quite a bit of ink on explaining what these spiritual bodies are. It's not our spirit running around as if it were naked. We are actually given a body that is eternal and will last forever. And I firmly believe that when I'm up there, I am going to recognize Lad because Lad will look just like Lad looks like. Well, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't recognize you otherwise. <laughs> Isn't that kind of cool that we can look forward to these bodies that are permanent and can last, will last forever? Okay? So in, chapter, in verse 4, 
Paul clarifies this a little bit more. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put, them, put, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Wouldn't it be nice to have that body right now in our present life, knowing that it was absolutely incorruptible and we would live in this body forever? Wouldn't it be nice if that were the case, that we wouldn't have to go through death in order to experience that? But that's not the case. That's not the way God has designed it at this point. Now, if you're standing in line with Mark waiting for the, the rapture any time now... <laughs> Yeah, you can't. You don't. Okay? Wouldn't it be nice to make that exchange now? And then comes that glorious verse 5. Verse 5 in the New Living Translation says, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. God himself has prepared us for this. This process of sanctification is getting us ready to be in heaven. We are being more heavenly. We are supposed to be getting more heavenly minded, getting our character to be more akin to Christ's character. And part of that producing is to build in us an assurance that Jesus really is preparing a place for us. Do you feel your sanctification has brought you to the point where you really believe that Jesus is in heaven right now preparing a place for us? You know, I think it's appropriate that we turn to John 14 right now and read that. I mean, this is straight from the lips of Jesus himself. John 14, beginning at verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Do we really believe what Jesus just said? Do we believe that Jesus is in the process right now of preparing a place for us in heaven? Is our assurance in his promise rock solid? that we are going to a place where we are going to have this eternal home with eternal bodies. Do we really believe that? Would you stake your life on that? 
with all of the turmoil going on, if I were an Afghani Christian right now, I would wish that Jesus was coming at that moment, at this moment, to take me out of this. Because I would desperately want that promise to be true. So how does that work with our faith? Do we have the faith that this is absolutely true? So I got done writing notes about this point. So now I'm going to preach. Verse 6 says, so we are always confident. Strange word, confident. Does that equate to faith? So we are always full of faith. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. There is another implication there, that if we are not in these bodies, we are at home with the Lord. So is that a death wish? Is that a point where we say, I wish I were dead in order that I might be with the Lord? Is that the way we are to think about this? No, I think it's to give us the sense that we are always confident that if this earthly tent drops, just like that, we're in the presence of God Almighty. And look at verse 7. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Excuse me. Two weeks ago, this Sunday morning, I walked into the room where my stepdaughter, Karen's daughter, lie. Her body was there. She was not there. She was not there. I knew that deep in my soul. And it didn't bother me to look at that old rotten, decaying tent. Because that was not Irene. She was at the face, at the foot of Jesus. In fact, driving here last Sunday, the thought just occurred to me, guess where Irene is worshiping this morning? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? This old earthly tent drops, and we are face to face with the Heavenly Father. Verse 8, yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is is to please Him. While you are in this earthly tent, is your goal to please the Lord with the way you behave, with the way you think, with the way you spend your money? Are you trying to please Him? Because the 10th verse makes that really important. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. 
we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That judgment seat for the believer will not be a judgment to see whether or not you are in heaven or not. That has been sealed if you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. This will be to check and see how you lived your life after salvation. Which brings me to the <clears throat> final point. This whole, these whole verses don't apply to everybody. They only apply to those people who have asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. So what if you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and your earthly tent drops? The Bible makes it clear that that earthly tent is surrendered. That spirit goes into a place of torment called hell. In order to avoid that, the Bible says that God is calling to himself a people that he will bring, that Jesus just told us he is preparing a place for all of those people, that those people will be brought up to heaven. Now those people have recognized that they stand sinful before a holy God. The Bible makes it clear that there is nobody that this doesn't encompass. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's nobody that escapes. So how do we change that? How do we make a difference? I believe that God calls his people to himself. Jesus said in verse 6 of chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, comes to the Father except through me. And what is so glorious about that is that Jesus took the punishment that every single one of us deserves for our sinful, sinful acts and behaviors. He took the punishment upon himself when he went to that cross and died in our place. Took the punishment that every single one of us deserved. That substitutionary death is beyond our comprehension until God opens up our mind to say, I did this for you. Do you accept it? And when we say yes, and our heart is truly in a place to say yes and mean it, then God writes our name in what is called the Lamb's Book of Life. That if one of us, or any of us, were to drop dead on the way home today, and our name is written in that book, God's going to open the book and say, Wendy, your name's there. Come on in. If Wendy's name's not there, she doesn't get to come in. That's why I am so confident that when Irene breathed her last breath, that the next moment she woke up in the presence of Christ because she had made that public confession 
that she was a sinner in need of a Savior and asked Jesus to take her sins and wash them away. I have no doubt that she woke up in the presence of Almighty God. And is at this moment, at this moment, is worshiping Him with multitudes and multitudes and multitudes. I don't want anybody in this room or watching this to miss that opportunity to say, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. So if you feel like that's true of you and you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you need to confess that to somebody. You can confess it to me if you're in this room before you leave. If you're watching and you feel like the Holy Spirit is drawing your heart to himself, then get in touch with an elder or call somebody that you know has already done that and ask them to walk you through what comes next. Because I don't want anybody here to not say I am always, I'm not always confident. I am not always confident. I have, I don't have the faith. I, I worry. I want you to be fully confident that when this earthly tent drops, whether it's from the Delta variant or whether it's a heart attack or whether you just decide, I'm going to stop breathing. I don't want you to, to fret about what happens with this earthly tent once it goes down. I want you to be confident that the next moment you will be face to face with your Savior. Father, we, um, <clears throat> we are a weak and desperately needy group of people. But in your grace and mercy, you have provided a way to instill in us a faith that cannot be shaken because it is built on the promises of God himself. So, Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and give us this confidence that no matter how ugly the earth gets, no matter how much turmoil is thrown in our face, Father, that we would be those that are confident that our Savior is preparing that place and will someday come and get us that we may be with him where he is for all eternity. So, Lord, be with us. Thank you for this opportunity. And we pray in Jesus' name that your word will not return void, that it will accomplish everything that it was sent to do, and that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen.